For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of the Kingdom of Pod on the Believe Podcast Network. Jeff Caves here, and you're there. We're talking Boise State football. Uh, coming up, a look at the Boise State-Wyoming game, of course, a breakdown on that uh, shortly. Uh, the email that Brian Harson never wanted to get out, the fallout from it, sort of moved that story forward, why the Mountain West may not be doing Boise State any favors, and why the American Athletic Conference is the superior home for Boise State. A couple of quick stabs on the Steelheads not playing uh, for another season, uh, the Hawks losing their Major League Baseball affiliation, and uh, then a conversation with a former head football coach at Boise State, Houston Nutt. You don't want to miss details on Brian Harson, his future, uh, where Houston thinks uh, Brian could end up coaching and why he may be better off staying right where he is. So all that coming to you on this kingdom of pod. But the news of the week really was all about Brian Harson's email, email gate, an email that Harson had sent uh, to uh, Trump. And APSI, uh, talking about more activity uh, to get out of the Mountain West and get into the American Athletic Conference, basically going on the record uh, with the fact that he thinks Boise State would be better off in a different conference. Uh, so uh, what's the, the point of the email? Well, you know, one of the storylines, of course, is, is the media line, and that's media storyline, and that's for a few people. Um, and you have to really calculate what are you going to lose in this situation. And if you're the Idaho Press, uh, apparently nothing. Uh, you're not worried about Brian Harson's um, uh, thoughts that he would just as soon not have this published. Um, to the to some degree, perhaps the president would not like to see a track record of uh, emails being published that were never intended for the public's consumption. You can see the difference between emails that you send to uh, your president and your athletic director and uh, statements to the press that Boise State releases. So just look at the difference, and you can you, know, you just don't have to be rocket scientists to figure out they would just as soon not have that out. So what are they going to lose? Uh, what does the Idaho Press or Boise Dev lose in those relationships versus what they gain? Did they gain readers? Did they gain respect from people who want that kind of uh, stuff brought out public? I do know this. If Brian Harson had a different approach in how he, and I'm not saying he should either, by the way, it, but if he did have a different approach in the way he handles his media availabilities, they wouldn't be as hungry, perhaps, for this. But he doesn't grant one-on-ones. He doesn't do inside stories. He doesn't go off the record and really keeps the media at arm's length, like do 90% of the coaches out there. So I don't think they looked at anything they had to lose because basically whatever the Boise Dev people and the Idaho Press get, it's what everybody else gets. So there's no competitive advantage. So, yeah, there was some uh, competitiveness involved in this. And... Um, it's somewhat gotcha. Like, uh, did you hear what he said when he didn't want anybody to know it? I get that. Uh, is it overall healthy for the community of Boise to treat their football coach that way? Eh, you could argue not. 
coaches wouldn't like that. But <laughs> if you're in another market, another city, blah, 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 just another sign of maturation. So I don't, I don't think there's any grudges or anything like that. I just think it's part uh, of the story. What's, what's the fallout then? I guess we'll have to, they'll have to wait and see if Boise Dev and the Idaho Press to see if they lose anything. And you as a reader, you can figure that out for yourself. Um, the Mountain West, you know, that relationship's already strained. <laughs> Boise State sued Craig Thompson. They're going to bring him to the witness stand in how they uh, were handled uh, in, in the television negotiations and whether or not Boise State was going to lose the money that they felt was coming to them. So I think there's a lot of work uh, to be done there anyway. They're not going to go out of their way to do any favors for Boise State. And certainly why would they now? Because it's well known that they should start developing their other schools and whatever they're going to do because there's one that wants to get out so they'll use them when they can but it's going to be a business relationship with nothing personal and that's just the way that's going to be uh, is going to the american athletic conference a better move i think so just start with marketing and home tickets and are people that excited to see new mexico uh, to some degree you could say even uh, for most years utah state wyoming there's been flashes where people were excited about some of those games uh, Air Force certainly has had, I think, some excitement. Um, but you go much deeper than that at times. You know, there's there's been plenty of fatigue with uh, even the Fresno State game. And they've had some great championship games too. And then you can have ups and downs. But I just think people want something new, fresh, and different. And so if you can bring in uh, SMU, Houston, Central Florida, Cincinnati, Memphis, uh, these are teams that are in the now. Maybe for the next 10 years, uh, you should give the market a break and bring in something else. Can you get more tickets sold and have more excitement? Yes. Uh, is it going to be a little bit more travel? Yeah, but not that much more. So do they bring in San Diego State with them? Possibly. If they do that, what happens to the Mountain West? They're not going to have a, a place at the table in the expanded college football playoff or maybe even the New Year's Day 6. And does Boise State potentially get that much closer to a Power 5 program or a guaranteed spot in the New Year's Day 6 or a playoff if they join the American? Possibly. They're a lot closer to it if they just than, than just staying in the Mountain West Conference. You also have a coach who's telling you it's a better move for the football program. So it'll be up to the president to decide and the new athletic director really to examine that. Even if they went independent, there's no guarantee the Mountain West Conference wouldn't show Boise State the door if they took their football program away. So uh, it's going to take a creative athletic director to get all of that done, and that's kind of the, I guess, the turbulent waters that uh, we're really in right now. I want to just get in some quick uh, thoughts here on some stories that involve minor league sports, uh, Boise, Idaho specifically. First, it was announced that the Idaho Steelheads would be taking – uh, the season off, the 2021 season. And this is a, a minor league uh, franchise that has had a tremendous run of success, not only on the ice, but in the uh, business department as well. Uh, they're one of the better run minor league organizations, I think, in the country. And uh, they've had a rough spring in 2020. And here they are now having to call off another season. You know, financially, I think it's a big, big challenge to overcome uh, you've got some great employees that have been there a long time, which is highly unusual. You have a local ownership group uh, that has other entities of interest, uh, namely hotels in this city 
and other items as well. And in the city of Boise, you know, the Idaho Steelheads, I think, have proven that they can build a fan base and do have a fan base. A lot of these players will stay in the offseason, live here, become more a part of the community and businesses that they run or patron or take part in things. There's active recruiting to get players to Boise, Idaho versus other teams throughout the ECHL or in minor league hockey. And then there's a pent-up demand uh, for hockey in the city of Boise where it uh, came back and it was a unique item. There was nothing else like it at the time that the Idaho Steelheads were born in the late 90s. There wasn't high school hockey. There wasn't youth hockey. There wasn't anything. So this uh, was something that bring on an entire movement for a sport. You can't say the same about baseball. We've had Little League Baseball forever. And we've had uh, Colt Baseball or, you know, uh, American Legion Baseball, high school baseball, college baseball. So we've had all those things. So the sport of minor league baseball in the city of Boise has a little different track record, and I think in demand and how the fans treat it than the Idaho Steelheads. I see them as different entities. The Hawks losing their affiliation to Major League Baseball uh, and continuing now to play in now the Pioneer League and having to recruit their own players and, and uh, have to pay their, their total overhead of how they're going to run that franchise is going to have to change. But they may have more flexibility in how they do things. But I still think it's, it's still an entertainment day out for a lot of people who have baseball in their blood and their background. They just want to watch a good baseball game against people who are better than anybody else in the Treasure Valley community at playing baseball. That's it. And if they want to take their kids to show them how to go to a baseball game, to show them what it's like, and it's just going to live on. I, I, unless the economics eat them up, I think the fans will still react. It's, it's too bad, but that's, that's just how I see it at this point. Remember, if you like the Kingdom of Pod, my Boise State Football Believe uh, Network podcast that comes out weekly or as news warrants, please rate, review it, subscribe to it. You can also go to kingdomofpod.mailchimpsites.com and you can sign up there to have the podcast emailed to you. I do appreciate everybody uh, reaching out. A lot of things coming up in the future as it relates to news and information that I want to kick out uh, about Boise State that I'll get to hopefully in the 2021 year but in the meantime uh, thanks for listening to this let's break down the Boise State Wyoming game Uh, one interesting note about this game to me will be motivation Boise State's had a couple of weeks off they're playing for a spot in the Mountain West Championship game so they have plenty on the line the Wyoming Cowboys really don't Uh, they're at a two and three position of their season I would say that it's highly unlikely they would continue to play in the postseason that's just my guess So this for Wyoming is their bowl game. This is really the biggest and best game uh, for them this year. So motivation will be huge. And Boise State is the one that's on edge having to travel and wait out all of these COVID tests to see if we're really going to play and mask up and get in a plane and watch what you touch and where you go and who you talk to and where you wear your mask and of sleeping in a hotel and not touching things. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, these kids are the ones going in and out of planes and hotels and, and buses and, and commuting to and from stadiums. We're not. We haven't even, none of us have done this. So I think it's a little bit different. So I really look first and foremost at motivation. And let's take a close look at both teams when they come onto the field, when this thing is kicked off. Who's jacked up 
and excited to be there. It's probably going to be 20 degree weather. It may have snowed. It's going to be cold and the temperature is going to be dropping the whole game. So motivation will be huge. First, Boise State's offense against the defense of Wyoming. I think it's massive to have George Lonnie back for a game like this. Halani's like having an extra blocker on the field because he can make somebody miss on his own and he can change direction. So if the hole was supposed to go to the right and he decides to give it lip service to the right and cut to his left, he can do that where nobody else on that football team can. Shakir can, of course, but he's not carrying the ball as often as Halani is. So I think it's massive to get him back, like having an extra blocker uh, in the backfield. Uh, but it may be about how well they can protect and how long enough they can protect for Hank Bachmeyer to go downfield because that's what they're going to want to do against Wyoming. Their defensive backfield, not as athletic, uh, ne- can't necessarily um, – stay on Boise State receivers as long. Uh, So we'll see what kind of attitude Boise State's receivers show up with as well. Remember that nightmare game at Provo, Utah last year in that weather, some of the players on the team remarked that they did let the weather affect them. So we'll see if it affects the team here. But I do see some long balls. I do see the pass game be extremely important. Uh, statistically, though, Wyoming's pretty good on defense. I mean, either way, run and pass, they, they're really in the top end of the conference. Uh, so to me, it's, it's going to be huge on attitude. You know, who really wants to, to get it done? And we talk about Boise State all the time, has to start fast and finish strong. Okay, well, one of the reasons they have to start fast against a team like Wyoming is time of possession. Wyoming runs the ball quite a bit. So you're not going to have many opportunities as an offense so you better be efficient and get it done that's why turnovers are huge because you lose possessions you give up field position you could give up three points or six points to Wyoming so Halani running uh, against the flow exploding that is huge is he up to it how emotional is Wyoming watch their linebacker Muma Uh, he's all over the field he's one of the best players in the Mountain West Conference Gandy is the better safety Uh, He's also a key player for the Wyoming defense. Boise State's defense against Wyoming's offense, what an interesting statistical comparison. We're not talking about the Air Force run offense. We're talking about the Wyoming run offense, which is smash mouth, a couple of tight ends, put everybody down there and just start running because they only have one passing touchdown all year. So let's not worry about the quarterbacks per se in being nervous about them having a Josh Allen type night. That's not going to happen. They're going to rotate quarterbacks. And they're going to run them. I don't think they want to get too dependent on anyone. Whoever's running it best that particular day is going to uh, be in there. It's not been a great year and I, I, for quarterbacks in Wyoming. And I think that's one reason they're underwater. And if you look at their stats, the, the offense that they're running is they are running the football 17% less than Air Force does. So you're going to see a lot of runs. So Boise State's defensive line, the Matlock, and uh, here, uh, uh, the return of Cravens is huge. The, the health has to be there. It's so important. The weather, the wear down, the running attempts. I mean, this has to be a concern for the, for the football team and the game. And Let's watch that as this game gets into the late second quarter and certainly into the late third quarter. Running the football for Wyoming, okay, Valaday and Smith, they'll run it. You know, who knows how many snaps Valaday is going to be able to take because he's had an injury. I know this last year against Boise State, he had 37 carries, 124 yards, a touchdown, and Boise State only won by three in overtime, okay? It was a very close game between these two teams. 
Can Boise State bring the emotion to the defense to shut down Wyoming? This brings us to a great conversation I was able to have with Houston Nutt, the former Boise State head football coach. I'd gotten wind. Uh, actually, this is how it unfolded. I was uh, watching, um, I don't remember if it was Netflix. I wish I could tell you specifically which subscription service has the movie that you can see uh, for free, but the movie's called Greater. And it's the story of Brandon Burlesworth, a walk-on offensive lineman, which you'll hear Houston Nutt tell the story because Houston coached him for Burlesworth's senior year at Arkansas when uh, Houston left Arkansas, or left Boise State uh, for Arkansas. So I'm watching this movie, and Houston Nutt shows up and makes a cameo appearance in the movie. Uh, in this particular case, they let him come in as a janitor. He didn't say, I'm Houston Nutt. He just he came in as a janitor, and I said, that's Houston Nutt. Now, they used an actor for Houston's role to depict him because it was Burlesworth's senior year when Houston took over his first season at Arkansas. But it's just started my wheels turning. Uh, I've, I've watched Houston as well on the CBS Sports uh, shows, on the CBS Sports Network and CBS Television. A lot of SEC commentary. Yes, he can even dip into Boise State and his uh, group of five thoughts. And so I thought, you know, it'd be interesting to get a hold of Houston. Well, I did that, and I um, I was shocked to find out he lives 30 miles from me. I'm in Flower Mound, Texas, which is just uh, north, a little bit west of the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. Houston's in McKinney, Texas, uh, which is like 30 miles uh, northeast of me. So uh, here he is, an Arkansas native, uh, living right down the street, per se, and I took an opportunity to talk to him. 1997, Boise State had a head football coach by the name of Houston Nutt. Houston ultimately took off from Boise State, went on to Arkansas and Ole Miss. You probably see him on CBS Sports as a studio analyst. And I may add right now, I was shocked when I learned that Houston was 36 miles from me in McKinney, Texas, outside of Dallas-Fort Worth. I imagine both of us are shocking a few people. But I guess in my mind, Houston, I always saw you back somewhere in the state of Arkansas, and and I don't know if you saw yourself there, but here you are in McKinney, Texas, so thanks for doing this. And, you know, as it relates to where Houston wants to live now, how, how did this all shake down? Yeah, uh, most people think I'm in Arkansas uh, because uh, being born and raised there, you're exactly right. But um, once we got let go at Ole Miss, Diana said, listen, I followed you for 31 years. Let me have one spot. I want to live. So we took off. She loved Santa Fe, New Mexico, of all places. Beautiful place. Before her mother passed, Diana and her mother went on this trip to Santa Fe. She said, well, I want to live here one day. So long story short, we lived there for one year. We were renting a place. And this guy says, this place never sells. And lo and behold, somebody came and bought it. So we had to move again. So we had our twin girls were living in Dallas. She says, what do you think about just moving to Dallas? I said, let's go. We're too far out here away from everybody. Let's go. Yeah. So we got to Dallas and actually then we moved to McKinney. And so this makes it good because we're centrally located. I got a direct flight to New York when we're traveling. Of course, COVID, we can't travel. Right. Uh, my mother lives in Little Rock. It's three and a half hours from right here where we are. And uh, we can just get to everybody. You know, we're centrally located. This is a good place. Yeah, it's awesome. And, you know, you mentioned the pandemic, and, and you've had more experience than any of us in being responsible for 150 people and then having thousands of other people want to know everything. So what do you think? 
uh, Houston, the, the fishbowl that a coach's life is in the SEC dealing with this pandemic on top of the other issues that we had with Black Lives Matter and kids talking out on social media, and we're going to get into name, image, and likeness. What do you think of your profession and what these guys are really dealing with day to day? It's unbelievable, Jeff. It's unbelievable. It's uncharted waters. You know, a lot of coaches are going through everything every day. You know, usually it'd be week to week. Now it's hour to hour. Things wow. change hour to hour. Who's going to play? Who's not going to play? Who has COVID? Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have contact tracing. It, it's just so many moving parts and everybody's still learning. And so the main thing you want to keep them healthy and keep everybody going. I, I'm, I'm glad we have football At, during the summer. CBS, we didn't know if we're going to do football. We didn't have a clue if we're going to be able to have football at all. So this has been good, been a blessing to have football. You know, you have so many cancellations. But to answer your question, this is just so different. And everybody is is still learning. And um, it, it's just been unbelievable. And some teams have just played three, four games. And then SEC started earlier. And you got to give Commissioner Sankey a lot of credit. Uh, the way they test the players, and they got through just about the, the entire season, everybody. And there's, there's a few, Texas A&M and Ole Miss got canceled this weekend, and so Vanderbilt got canceled. But you've got a few teams that are they're up to that nine-game mark, Jeff, and so now they're getting close to the championship weekend. So um, it, it's been something. It's been quite a ride and so different. And, to, to again, to handle that many, you're responsible for somebody's son. Uh, this is dangerous. This this is very dangerous. When people get sick, it's it's a real, real thing. And so everybody's still learning. With with the, the way things are changing, just on a coaching level, Houston, and, and I don't want to take anything away from the talent that certain schools like Clemson and, and Alabama and now A&M may be, you know, showing that they've got some talent and he's been recruiting his ass off. But when it on the coaching side of things, what kinds of coaches do well with all these moving pieces and parts? Because, you know, we, we hear about the other coaches who control everything and plan next year today down to the hour. And so those guys, that, that, that isn't going to work. So what does work? Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to start with Nick Saban. Um, Nick Saban, when I got let go at Ole Miss, he was really the only one that reached out to me. I got to go spend three days with, with his uh, organization, his team, and watched him practice. And he has things so buttoned up and uh, holds everybody accountable. Uh, I mean, from the meals they eat to weight room, to classroom, the whole bit. Mm-hmm. I, I've never seen anybody so focused on a process. And he has this blueprint. And you follow the blueprint. There's only one voice coming from that program, and that's Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. You don't hear coordinators talking. You don't hear other people. It's Nick Saban. So he sets the tone. And what I notice is the Mark Ingram, Julio, when I was there, the players come back. Now, he comes across as a rough, tough guy. He is holds them accountable for being tough and doing the right thing at full speed. But I also noticed Mark Ingram and Julio Jones, the day I was there, they came back. They already graduated. They were there in the spring working out, being around. And I asked him, I said, hey, so y'all are back here at Alabama. We love this place, love Coach Saban mm-hmm. and the relationship. And we know that he cares about us. And and he he gave us a great opportunity to, to further our career. So – those guys, Dabo Sweeney's another one. 
Dabo Sweeney, they they recruit at a high level, mm-hmm. but it's more than that. The players don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think that's where it starts, and that's where Saban and Dabo, when you study outside or looking in now, from uh, you know outside view, I see I see an unbelievable uh, blueprint of the way they handle things first class. But it goes back to me the relationships, and they have great relationship with their players. Houston, when I studied you, uh, I thought you had an infectious energy. Um, I think that confidence, once you're confident, you can have a lot of energy. And then some people think once you add intensity to that, and I think this is one of Coach Harson's philosophies, then you got a pack of dogs. And I thought <laughs> that was one thing I would want you to do for a football program is turn these guys into a guy that can go out and believe in themselves despite odds and and win and you know, the way you left Boise State beating Idaho and, and that, you made people believe they can have their criticisms. But as you look at your coaching career, because you were a turnaround guy, I saw what you did at Arkansas. Look at what you did at Ole Miss. You won Cotton Bowls. You won SEC championships. And those schools were in losing records at both those places, and so was Boise State. So am I pegging your strengths accurate as you yep. You You know, uh, Jeff, I appreciate you bringing that up because – that's uh, exactly really what I wanted to do is, is to be able to uh, in, in, in just infect this team with that energy, enthusiasm, passion, and toughness and take them where they can't go by themselves. And um, it's not about me. It's not about I. It's about us and we. And so we love Boise State. I love, the, the, of course, the beauty, the mountains. And, of course, Brian Harson was a player. And, um, man, I, I just love the attitude and, and the fans were good and they love football. And so when you love football and you be yourself, the players, you can't fool them. You can't fool an 18, 19. They know when you're fake. And so when I first got to the first week, Jeff, some of the players were looking at me cross that like, is this guy for real now? They never he, comes, met- he comes in, comes in bouncing every day, you know, with this attitude that everything's great everything's good and we're gonna go full speed but it didn't change you know we didn't change and we didn't we didn't we didn't move away from that and so um we were fortunate to be at some good places murray state really was the reason i got boise state because y'all were making that transition from one double a to division one and so gene blameyer gave an old southern boy a chance out there and i'm really glad we really thought we'd be there for 10 years i thought after the first few weeks once we started turning i said guys we're gonna be all right here and this is gonna be a great place to live and coach yeah and um i, I was i was excited I, I was really excited and then lo and behold you know coach Broles called and they were four and seven and four and seven just let danny ford go mm-hmm. it was the same thing now from boise state to arkansas the players good looking players but didn't didn't believe didn't believe they were going to win Mm-hmm. especially in the SEC. So you just try to hit those buttons and be genuine about it and uh, care about them and have a tough, hard-nosed team. And But now, you know, the game is changing. It's always changing. You know, I can't believe when you look at the Alabamas, you look at Clemson, you look at these teams, they're up and down the field. The the, the scores of the olden days in the 70s and 80s, right, you just score 24 points, you're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense will hold them. Well, those days are over. You got to score forty points. Seems like these days, or forty-five, or fifty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Now, Houston, as you look at Coach Harson, um, things are changing right now in the pandemic, uh, post-college football world for for job opportunities and 
who's going to be leaving or staying or how, if, and when he moves up. You know, uh, you're one of the more successful guys that left Boise State and succeeded. Coach Pete did really well. I guess the book is out. Hawk had some good years at Colorado. It certainly didn't end well. I don't know that Dirk would ever say that they achieved on the field record-wise that much at Arizona State. And we, we're already trying to peg, you know, ultimately where Harson lands. I look at it and say he's going to go to a place that is has won, is a winner. He's not going to rebuild it from scratch, but he wants to take that program to the next level, like a Virginia Tech, for example. I, I can see that. Do you have a feel for where you think his assets would be most utilized at, at some other stop along the way? You know, I don't, Jeff. But the one thing I'll say to Brian, if I was sitting here with him mm-hmm. on this call, I'd say, Brian, be slow. Be real slow about making that move. You're at a beautiful place. You're at a great place. You get paid well. You got a chance to win and win championships. Now, if there's a place where he's always felt like, hey, I could make a difference and I could win a championship at a higher level, mm-hmm. hey, I understand. Thing about Arkansas is I was from there. You know, I would have never left Boise after 200 and something days if, if it was just a, another job. Uh, I wouldn't have done that, but that was home. That was Arkansas. And I, I know it's tough for some of my players to even uh, understand that time because change is hard. But Brian is so talented. Uh, I love uh, his demeanor. I love his uh, the imagination, creativity on offense, and um, the way he puts together a team, offense, defense, special team. So he's going to have choices, but I would just caution him to say, don't rush it and don't jump too fast because you got a good place. Yeah, well, he's done that. He's been pretty confident. And right. We've watched some of the jobs come and go and, and all of that. Now, I want to just ask you one more thing. And I know you got your CBS Sports work. I know you're doing radio hits. You're really all over the place. And you'd probably be speaking to somebody right now if we didn't have the pandemic with your speaking. That's right. But I did see this movie, Greater. It's been out now a couple of years. Everybody's sitting around at home right now watching different things. And so you kind of work down that list and go, how did I miss this story about Brandon Burlesworth, the walk-on at Arkansas, the kid that came to play and that had to gain a lot of weight. He gets on the team. He becomes an All-American. He's a hometown hero. He gets drafted by the Colts. And then tragically, after just a mini camp, coming home to help his mom go to church and get his ring from you for winning the SEC and dies in a car accident and they make a movie about him and and all that. You're in a cameo. They make you the janitor or something in that film, (laughs) which I thought was crazy. But it just dawned on me that you walked out of Boise, Idaho, and you walked into Brandon Burlesworth's life. So he was already a leader. And what were your impressions about what you know about him, uh, Houston? Man, you did your homework. Well, Jeff, Yeah, Brandon Burlesworth was a player that's too good to be true. And what I mean by that is he was yes sir, no sir. He, he ran every sprint as hard as he could. If somebody was telling a dirty joke, he'd walk away. If a freshman walk-on was sitting by himself at lunch, he'd take his tray and go sit by him because he was a walk-on. He was such a giver. And I never will forget after the first team meeting, Jeff, he, he waited around sh- kind of shy type of waited. Everybody left. And he said, Coach, can I visit with you for a minute? I said, yeah, Brandon. And I just met him. Six foot four, 315. Wow. Looked great. He said, Coach, I, I, don't, I don't know what you have planned for us, but I just want you to know I only have three months left with this program. This is it for me. And I'd appreciate it if we don't ever use the word rebuild. 
a couple of coaches I heard in the paper, I read in the paper, said they're going to rebuild the program. It's, hey, we got some good players, Coach, but we'll do anything for you. Well, I knew right there, Jeff, this guy was so committed and he wanted to do something his senior year. They were four and seven and four and seven. And he sent a real statement to me. Don't use the word rebuild. He basically said in his nice, polite way, uh, I kind of took it like, don't use the word rebuild. We want to win now. We'll do what you ask us to do. Just show us the way. And count on these seniors. Had about 18 seniors, and he was one of them. Mm-hmm. Man, they've been through it. They've been so, they, they've been through tough, tough, uh, hard knocks. Uh, just keep kept getting beat up. But when you watch the film, the effort was there. Mm-hmm. And it was just a little bitty thing, a fumble, a penalty at the wrong time, mm-hmm. an interception at the wrong time. So, man, we took off. And, Jeff, here's a great story. The first conference game we play is Alabama, Sean Alexander tailback. If you remember him, up and down the field, phenomenal. We were scared. We were scared to death. Didn't have a good practice Wednesday. We come out of our our meeting room, and our meeting room is tied into an indoor, 50-yard indoor, and it's dark at 930 at night. And I hear, I said, who's on this turf? And so Joe Ferguson, my brother, Danny, and uh, Mike Markison, they're walking with me. And they hear just just the the turf shoes on in a dark picture. This a dark turf field, you can't see it, but you know somebody's there. Yeah. And so I walk over. Who is who's over there? Yeah. Uh, it's Brandon, Coach. I said, Brandon, what are you doing, Coach? I didn't have a good day today, and I'm just want to get where I can work on my steps and these powers and counters, and I wanted to make it right. I, I was terrible with my footwork, and I said, you didn't want to do it in your dorm room or not enough room but guys were studying i just wanted to come back down here and get this done well the next meeting on thursday at 48 hours prior, i meet with the team and i asked clint sterner clint what were you doing last night about 9 30 10 <laughs> study uh hey anthony lucas what were you doing last night playing videos okay well i want to tell you something about your teammate that cares so much about you he was here last night 9 30 going through his steps and footwork because he wants to be successful Saturday. You know what? I was worried and couldn't sleep Wednesday night. Guess what? When I walked away Thursday and saw your teammate, Brandon Burlesworth, walking and concentrating on footwork and steps because he wants to make it right, I knew that we're going to be okay. Guys, we beat Alabama, Jeff, 42-6 to six that day. And we, we took off. We took off. And so there's nothing like a celebrated locker room. I always think about Idaho when Boise State beat Idaho. That celebrated locker room, that rival. There's nothing like that when you go through sacrifices and commitment and blood, sweat, and tears together, and all of a sudden you reach something together. Man, well, that's what we had with Brandon. And you mentioned the the day that we're going to pass out our championship rings Every Wednesday in the spring, he took his mother to church. You know, that's how good he was. This guy's too good to be true, Jeff. Right. He, he said, Coach, hope you don't mind, but I, I need to miss the meeting uh, because I take my mother to church on Wednesday. I said, hey, I got it. Just come by tomorrow and get your ring. No big deal, Brandon. Well, so tragically, we got that terrible call that evening on that little two-lane highway. He's traveled so much, you know, and got hit by a trailer, a big old tractor trailer truck, and it's just sad. And the Indianapolis was coach told us that they'd never given an offensive lineman a playbook during a mini camp, a rookie mini camp. Yeah. They gave it to him, Jeff, because they thought he was going to be a 10 or 12 year vet. And he, wow. he was so smart and so committed. Did they, I, all of these things are in the movie. Uh, yes. That, that, that Houston's talking about finding him in the 
in the practice facility at night and, and what happened with the Colts. And they kind of depicted the car accident and, and the, the ring ceremony. And I wish they'd have had you play your own role because I yeah. would have done just fine. I bet you were playing hey, Jeff. that, right? Hey. Hey, hey, Jeff, Jeff, it's funny you say that. My wife uh, says that. Diana says that all the time. Hey, that guy didn't represent you right, man. <laughs> well, didn't but uh, you, it, it's a good story. Didn't you get in some other movie as yourself? Didn't you, didn't you get in hey. that other movie? Hey, hey, Jeff, Blindside. Yeah. Blindside, Michael Orr's story. That's right. And uh, uh, FedEx owner Fred Smith's daughter, Molly. Yeah, uh, was the associate producer, and she wanted every coach who recruited Michael the original. And so she got Phil Fulmer, Lou Holtz, Tommy Tuberville, Ed Orgeron, Nick, and so Nick was playing the LSU coach. I played. Uh, I was at Arkansas when I recruited him. Sure. Now we didn't we didn't get to first base with him, but we had a home visit with him. So you know, <laughs> uh, but it was good. Well, it's great to spend time with you. We continue to see you on CBS Sports. Maybe we'll see you in the Metroplex. Always appreciate it, Houston. Great. Appreciate you, Jeff. Thank you. That's going to do it for this edition of the Kingdom of Pod. If you'd like to get a subscription to this and have it emailed to you rather than sign up and have your favorite podcast aggregator, just drop it in uh, to where you get your podcast. Just go to kingdomofpod.mailchimpsites.com and you can sign up from there. Thanks to Houston Nutt for joining us uh, here we'll have more reaction on the Boise State-Wyoming uh, game, not only on my Facebook page, but if here, here, of course, on the Kingdom of Pod. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.